Hello everyone, I'm Jen and welcome to another episode of Nagamish Pod, the first episode back since I got COVID. And luckily for you all, you're not going to hear me talk and try to rasp at you the entire time. I do have an amazing guest with me, Shanae Jackson-Kendall. She's a friend, she's a member of the polycule that is my life. We do things together, we go together now. I guess I'm, it's not, I'm not stealing her from her people, we just we go together. Hey, Shanae, how you doing? It was one of those what's understood doesn't have to be explained type situations. Like, poly people love mm-hmm. to pull that, but I'm not, y- y'all know that nothing is understood and everything has to be explained, except for Jen. She's like my exception, so govern That's yourselves right. accordingly. <laughs> it's like that Paramore song, you are the only exception, only the exception is me. Thank you. Should I sing? I- I'm not going to sing. Okay. No, I-, I don't think we should sing. I don't think anyone needs to hear me trying to sing anymore. I think we're over that on this podcast, to be honest. And neither of us are like fully recovered from COVID. So that would probably sound even more terrible than it normally would. Yeah, we don't need to strain the vocal cords. So I will just say I got COVID at the very end of July. So like literally like in the last couple of days of July. But you had COVID before I did. You had it like in... June, right? Or at the beginning of July? Well, it was like mid-July. So I took a trip up to the DMV with my partner. Let's see, I think it was like the second weekend in July. And we brought COVID home as a souvenir. And it took us all the way out for two weeks. So it was very dicey. There were 10 good days of us just being locked in the house. So that was not fun and very sick. Yeah, no, like y'all had it pretty bad. Not like terribly, but it was still like obviously on the more serious of the flu-like symptoms end of it. I guess you could call it quote-unquote flu-like. Yeah, we, thankfully, nobody had to go to the hospital, but we there were five days where I was like seriously worried about us. I kind of lost time. I was like in and out of sleep. Like my polycule was like sending food. And hey, like one day, one day, someone who loves me sent me food and it literally sat outside her p- apartment door for an hour because I fell asleep like, waiting on it. It was bad. But we, I am much better now. Still just feeling more tired than usual and trying not to overdo it. But how are you feeling, Jen? It's so weird. I I like to say I had mild symptoms, quote unquote, because it wasn't as terrible as it could have been. And this is obviously, it was my first time getting COVID. It was your first time getting COVID officially. We mm-hmm. have talked about maybe... I got it like in December 2019 when I was in Thailand because I was very sick going into the new year, whole thing. But this is the first time I officially had COVID. And I will tell you, it started so simple, sore throat. I never get a sore throat unless like I've been doing something I shouldn't be doing. So <laughs> there I was in my hotel room in New York. I'm having a sore, I don't feel quite right in the throat area. I remember that I don't feel good text. And I was like, this yeah. is how it begins. Yep. It is exactly what happened. So I was like, I'm going to, and this is at like at midnight. I think I sent you that text. So I was like, okay. I said, I'm going to sleep. I said, because I'm also like around a lot of allergens. Maybe it's just, I didn't take my allergy meds today. Maybe that's what's going on. But I woke up and I was like, my throat is still sore. This is not right. So literally when I put the little dropper in there for like, not even 10 seconds later, this shit couldn't even make me think that I wasn't positive. Oh, that was was how mine was too. It was like right it was, away. The line popped up immediately. We thankfully, because we didn't, we already were not feeling well on the plane on the way back. We did have the foresight and presence of mind. We didn't even come in my house. So like I told my husband, pick us up from the airport. And I was like, we're not feeling well. So we all masked in the car. 
and we sat on the porch and took COVID tests and we went immediately back to my partner's house because we didn't want to get anybody else in the polycule sick. Thankfully, our son was visiting his grandparents, so we didn't have to, like, worry about parenting while we were sick, which was great. But yeah, it really, like, situations like this, when, like, throughout the pandemic, I think it's been really interesting to see how you need your community to show up for you when stuff like this happens. Mm-hmm. It really was. And of course, I live alone. So it wasn't like I had any like physical support in the area either. Yes, there are people that I know and love and who love me who live in the DMV. But there was no one that I could just be like, oh, hey, like I need to. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I can't be like, hey, I have COVID. Can I come stay at your house? No, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't even do that if it was a cold. So luckily, my aunt and that family was out of town. So they couldn't really do anything for me. My landlord, super nice guy, he was like, oh, I have some extra COVID tests. Let me make sure I leave those outside your door for you. You can track your progress if you don't have any at home. I had a couple, luckily, so very sweet. And then I had another friend who was like, what do you need from like the store? Like, place a little Instacart order. I got you. I will help you out with that. Because, of course, I was in New York when I came down with this thing, which means I had to come back to my house because I was staying at a hotel. I can't you can't stay at a hotel when you have COVID. That's not how that works. So I had to like last minute spend like, what was it like three hundred dollars or so to come home like that same day? And because they weren't even, oh, yeah, we'll extend your checkout to later. It was like, oh, no, you need to leave. So when do we get you to go? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, unexpected expenses while having COVID. Like having to like travel. I mean, I was like double masked up. I was like, I sanitized everything. I ain't touched nothing. Like I literally just stayed in my seat, like hoodie up. Like I had a blanket and everything like around me. Don't talk to me. Don't breathe. I did not drink a drop of water. Nothing. I did not take off my mask for anything that whole ride. Yeah. And then of course I had to get home. So I'm in the house. I managed to get some stuff. Some other great non-monogamous creators put out like a little, what'd you call it again? Mutual aid thing for me. Cause they were like, yeah. Jen cannot work because, of course, I cannot work until I don't have COVID anymore. And so as much as you want to hope, oh, yeah, it's only going to be two days. It's yeah, no, like today, which is the 14th of August, just so y'all know when I'm recording this because I had to rest my throat. I'm still not back at work. So I have been out of work for two plus weeks (laughs) by the time I'll end up going back. And when you live alone and all the bills are on you, (laughs) when, you know, all of that, it counts. So luckily the mutual aid post went up. Some people were able to send me some money so I could buy food for when I couldn't really pull myself out of bed (laughs) to do things like that. And so that was like super helpful. Shout out to everyone who donated even $5. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, every little bit helps. And I think sometimes, I I know that it's not a part of the conversation right now. What happens? I think that the tide is changing a little bit and people are reviewing, are like viewing getting COVID as like, a minor inconvenience, but it really does shut down your whole life. If you're being responsible and actually staying out of the public until you're testing negative, at least on an antigen test, it shuts down your entire life. And for people who are their sole providers in their household and can't work and that inability to work affects their income, it's still a huge deal. I am beyond thankful to not have... I wasn't able to work and I actually... I had COVID for 10, 10-ish days, and then it was the end of summer for my kid. So I actually have been off work for a month. Like, I work for myself, obviously, but I, like, took a break from my clients, and I've not been working for a month as well. 
thankfully, you know, still eating, but it does absolutely have an impact on your income. So it's not easy. (laughs) No, it's not. And the thing is that I wasn't scared of getting COVID because I thought I would die. That was like at the very back of my mind. And this might seem weird content warning, whatever, but I'm like, I have depression. Sometimes I just don't want to exist. So like the idea of dying from COVID was not a terrible thing to me, as horrible as that sounds, right? And that's just being real. So there is that. It's just life still continues. And when you have these unexpected expenses and your income stops coming in, it's great. Now I need to like stress about the next month and change. Like, how am I going to make sure I catch up? Because even with savings, like savings doesn't solve everything. Unless you have a million dollars in savings. Like, what if I had had to go to the hospital? Luckily, I didn't. But what if I had to do that? Then again, like you said, being alone makes things so much more difficult. Like. It's one of those things where being an entrepreneur and a content creator and working for yourself, that all sounds hella glamorous until you have to pay the bills. And I know that my ability to do what I do for work in the way that I do it is absolutely financially subsidized by my partner. But it's like a total different situation when you're the only one paying the bills and like trying to make shit pop. Listen, I was like, does anyone want a sugar person? All I got to do, I can cough real sexy for you on the phone right now. <laughs> like I was literally about to be putting it out there. And it's coughing your cake. I got you. Please pay me for that. And we all know that I have a tendency to be really like philosophical about polyamory and how we set up our lives. And I think that on an even grander scale than just getting COVID, the isolation of the pandemic has really caused a lot of people to be reflective about how they have set up their lives and especially like solo polyamorous people. So it's like on one hand, it's really nice to have like certain freedom and autonomy, but that's also really isolating when the instruction is to isolate with your household and your household consists only of you. I think throughout the past Yeah, we're almost at three years. Throughout the past two and a half years, I think a lot of people have really started to question, what is my life set up? And what happens if I get ill? What happens if I suffer some chronic illness or disabling event? What are my plans to care for myself in that eventuality? And I think I know that I, as I age, clearly black don't crack, but I am getting older. And I think about what are my plans long-term? How will our polycule make plans to take care of one another as we age and as and in the event of some disabling event? So I think it's, I think it's starting like important conversations in that way. It is, but I have a plan. I would give up all this shit and move back home and live with my mama. That's it. Like I would give up this whole bitch. I ain't never scared. You think this, I, I can go home to my mama anytime. If I tell my mother right now, I fuck this life. I'm moving home. She'd be so fucking excited. Okay. <laughs> She'd be ready for me to move home. Right. And I'm lucky enough that I had the luxury of that. Right. Like I had the luxury of a parent who can quote unquote afford to take me in, but can afford to take me in and have me like living there. Obviously I contribute to the household all the time. And I have my I don't even want to call them like disabilities, but I have my pre-existing conditions that make life difficult for me at times. And COVID has definitely exacerbated a couple of those things. Mm-hmm. Like, and right now we got to be worried about fucking monkeypox on top of all of this. Like I got, and then I, and I'm, again, I am this, reporting live from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Like second only to New York for like new monkeypox cases per day. And yeah. oh, though if you are in Atlanta and you're listening apparently all sluts can now get the monkeypox vaccine not just homosexual sluts 
So literally they say, they're saying like, if you've had sex with multiple partners in the past 14 days, you can get the, they're treating it. It's a whole, that's a whole other episode, but they're treating it like an STI and I'm afraid we're all going to die. Okay. There's that. I have not been outside like in shorts since this whole monkey boxing became a thing. We're in long sleeves and long pants. And the second I get home, I turn, I don't even touch my own body. I just turn that shit inside out on my, that <laughs> is on the floor. And I go straight in the shower. COVID was one thing I cannot do. I have, so I have eczema, which again, it's not like a, oh my God, that's so thing, but it's a thing because if you have eczema, and you decide to get the monkeypox vaccine, which is really just a smallpox vaccine. There is one of them that you cannot take because it could lead to severe conditions that will lead to your death. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Just having this weird skin thing. And they're like, actually, sorry, babe, you're going to die now because we gave you the wrong one. I actually, Hello? I actually have eczema too. And even though you've told me that before, it never clicked before this moment. Great. Awesome. Let me just, let me just, just take some more. Yeah, so that's a whole other part of it. I mean, I don't have I, another pandemic in me, friend. I, I mean, don't. I don't have it. We live through another pandemic all the time, like now and since COVID, men with microphones. That's the real pandemic that's in our lives at the moment. Wow, listen, <laughs> men with podcasts should be abolished. Like, honestly. Agreed. And honestly, if we even have to lose all the good podcasts, I'm okay. There's enough bad ones that we can just abolish them in general. Monogamous can stay, but like everybody else has to go. And I'm a woman, so it doesn't count. It's fine. Correct. You got so, I know you have boots. Oh, let me not. Okay. <laughs> People don't need to know about that part of our lives yet. They can keep right. going okay. yeah. They know we only put on clothes to record. So yeah, it's just really, I'm very concerned with how we're treating COVID. There are people who I know love me, who knew I had COVID, who didn't even so much as send a text to check on me. I don't like that. I don't like that either. And I was not private, but I was private about my COVID journey. And here's the thing. Some people texted you about me having COVID and never sent me a message at all. Isn't that funny? Well, yeah, because I still count that as checking on you. You probably don't, but I do. I count it as checking on you. I don't know. Concern is just nice, like in any direction. And I think that's one of the things that surprised me most, the lack of concern. Yeah. And I don't think, I'm trying not to take it personally and instead reflect it as, Jen, you're so petty. You cannot (laughs) Y'all could not see my face, but I did a, I did a, you know, I take everything personally when it comes to you. You know that. I know. Yo, if someone slightly inconveniences me, Jen is like, yeah, we're not talking to them ever again. And I'm like, but we love them and we've loved them for 30 years. She's like, I don't care. The answer is no. Yeah. So I'm trying trying to look at it as an expose on how people are treating COVID Instead of an expose on how people feel about me. It's not working very well, but that's... That's an idea. I can see where you were trying to map that in your mind. And my patrons know this, and I I will say, there is some other stuff going on, like, in my family, right? Some other serious health things that are occurring with family members that I also have to deal with. It's also very interesting because, like, my mom checks on me every day, of course. We have a family group chat with my mom, my brother, and sister. That's fine. There are some other people who checked on me every day to make sure, like, hey... Did you die? And not every day, at least every every other day. Like, you know, did you die? Yo, you the okay? did you die is so important. But do you yeah. remember how many times you were like, hey, did you die? Like, when I, I was so bad about communication. Yeah, but it's so, it, you were sleeping a lot. I barely slept, actually, when I had COVID. I didn't sleep much at all, which is why I was like, damn, I don't even get the good stuff. Like, I don't even get to sleep my pain away. I just oh, be no. up all the time. 
my sleep was aided by herbals. That was very important. Yeah, the, I was just miserable. And when I wasn't miserable, I got high and went to sleep. Because okay, what else can I do? Well, I caught up on P-Valley. We, like, in the interim of falling asleep, me and my partner love to watch real weird shit on TV. So we did that a little bit. We watched so much good weird shit. We watched some, like, Nollywood. I, must I love Nollywood. Right. I love Netflix that. has really good Nollywood stuff. Some of it was ridiculous, but it, it was like the, the brain escape you needed when you don't feel good. So there's that. But yeah, I I am happy that the community showed up for you. I was like, hey, are you dead? Are you dead? But I'm feeling very apprehensive about going out. Yeah. And I'm wondering how, yeah. So listeners, please hit us up in the comments. Let us know, like, how are y'all feeling about COVID and like, Specifically for me, as I look to plan for 2023, how are y'all feeling about like large scale gatherings, conferences even? If you listen to the monogamous, you will be the, one of the first to know that I am in the early planning stages for a 2023 conference. And I am trying to figure out what that looks like, right? Yeah. In the age of COVID raging and monkeypox emerging, like, hi guys. What what do we, you know, I know everybody's kind of like, are we burnt out on virtual stuff? How do we continue to build community amidst a pandemic? That's something that I'm really mm-hmm. interested in, like, getting feedback on, really. Yeah, that you would not show up for each other all the time anyway. But I have noticed a serious decline in attendance and even, like, interest in virtual. Even after, like, the first six or so months of COVID, like when it was officially like we're locked down kind of thing. I noticed a lot of people getting back out there in the world. I wasn't, but I noticed some people were doing it, especially like in 2022. I can count on one hand, usually who's wearing a mask in any room that I'm in. And sometimes the number is only one and it's me. I've been on aircrafts where the crew aren't wearing masks. Passengers, if there's a hundred passengers, maybe five of them are wearing a mask. It's really... People are out there. They're traveling. They're doing stuff. I don't think there'll be any issues with people trying to come to conferences is what I'm trying to say. Is it safe to do so? It's safety is a whole other thing. I mean, for 2023, I mean, that's still like six months away based on what we're looking at. Six plus months away. So I have to hope that things will be different then. We have to be positive, right? Right. There's going to be this new booster they're talking about for COVID that they're going to actually have, you know, these vaccines ready for monkeypox. I was vaccinated against smallpox as a kid, so I'm not as worried about monkeypox as I could be. But I know that there is a booster thing that's available that you got to do. And then there's levels to this. So I like to hope that people have learned something from what we've been going through the past two and a half years specifically and that they would be willing to be respectful and mm-hmm. understanding people who are in our community anyway let's just, let's just speak for people right. who are in our and community so i will i think that the what i want to know if you're listening this is what i want to know hit us up in the comments hit us up on our social media and what we'll do when this podcast airs and we share it to our social media we'll ask we'll do some like some polls and stuff on our instagram and of course jen always puts our instagram information in the show notes so you can find us but we want to know like how are you feeling about going to conferences and in-person events right now and we also want to know what are your feelings about virtual events jen and i have been doing some virtual events we've been doing poly after dark and the attendance is very small and i think as like content creators 
and voices in the Black polyamorous community. I know that I am in, I am interested only in doing work that feels valuable to my community. And so I'm interested in knowing what kind of work feels valuable. What kind of information are we looking for? What ways do we want to be building community at this point? Because I think that one of my big focuses have been on building community while it's not safe to gather in person so that there is still a community to gather when it is safe. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. But I think the thing that we're missing is that Poly After Dark is a paid event. And I think that plays a huge part in why the attendance is small. Because I remember when PCGA was doing Are Black People Allowed? And the first couple of events, of course, were free. But also it takes time and money and pro Zoom accounts to have events of that scale. And so once y'all started asking for like small donation, I think it was like, what, like $5, $10? was like, it was small mm-hmm. to start. And, and I know the first time we didn't even ask for a number. We just said, donate. yeah, you just said donate. And people stopped coming. The second you asked for donations, I noticed that people stopped coming. And of course, COVID, we were all watching our finances, et cetera. I understand why it might not be possible for you to come every week the way that we were doing it and donate every week. But for some of the other people, I was looking at them like, nigga, I know you got it. I know that you have this. And so you are making a conscious choice not to support these black women because they dared to ask you for a donation as compensation to help pay for the fucking ProZoom account and all the stuff that they were going to be doing. Cause it wasn't even like you were asking as like a huge compensation of labor. Cause if we're talking about getting paid for your labor, there was not enough money being donated regardless. Can I tell you a secret? It's the first time I've admitted this publicly, but we didn't even keep any of the donations. We funneled all the donations out to the people who came and participated in our Black People Allowed. So if we had guests, we sent the money to them. We split it up and sent the money to them. And so I think, I don't know if people actually realize, we're not, like you said, we're not even going to talk about time, but everything takes money, like actual money. Like right now, the app that we are using to record this podcast, we have to pay for it. The money that you said, the pro Zoom account, we had, we have a super pro Zoom account because we routinely had more than a hundred people at our Black People Allowed. Mm-hmm. That means we pay an extra, baby. Like that adds up. It, it costs money to make all these things happen. And I think for me personally, like I am blessed and absolutely privileged to have the personal finances to be able to cover those things. But at this, I'm not, I'm at a point in my life where although I'm willing to do work for our community and not be appropriately compensated, I'm not willing to pay to work. Mm -hmm. So my events at least have to pay for their own specific costs in order for me to be willing to continue to do this work. That's where I am. Like, I'm at, let's break even. We're not even going to start talking about profit. But to be clear, I am an expert in this field. I say that intentionally. 
I am an expert in this field. I'm going to let that sit, okay? Because I have been living polyamorously for over a decade, quite fucking successfully. Put some respect on my name. That's where I'm at. I am absolutely at put some respect on my name. Or I am going to happily retreat into suburban housewifery. That's where I am. Because I am a suburban housewife, guys. That's who I am. I choose to boss up and speak and teach and communicate about Black polyamory because it matters to me. That's my stance. This is a heart work. And so literally what I need is to not have to pay to work. And so I think what's stressing me out and what keeps me awake at night is why my community doesn't value my work. And so that's my stance. I'm wondering, why don't you value your work? Because I know you out here spending $50 on Uber Eats. So why is it when I ask for $10 or $20 to offset the cost of producing the event? And, and when I say put some respect on my name, keep my glasses back on so you can you see me and I see you. If you're not watching on YouTube, you should probably go to YouTube and look at my face. Because so many of you are currently in relationships that would not exist had you not met that person at an event that the Polycultural Diversity Alliance put on. So many of you have friendships and community spaces that would not exist literally without the virtue of the work of me and my team. Why do we not deserve to at least have our costs covered for that? Listen. When we say it keeps you up at night, literally Shanae and I texting each other at two o'clock in the morning. What is up with this shit? <laughs> we talk, y'all, we be talking about work. It literally will be two o'clock in the morning. So first it's like the why are you still up? And then the like deep philosophical conversations about our work. And then one of my partners is, bitch, if you don't stop texting Jen and go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And then I like go back to do not disturb. But all of my do not disturb filters let Jen through. So then it's mm-hmm. up at 3 a.m. But like literally, like I am I'm very in tune with a capitalistic mindset, whether I agree with it or not. So I know that supply and demand is a thing. And I know that when we offer free events, there's a lot of participation. But ask for a nominal donation and attendance is cut in more than half. So I really want to know what is why. What is it that you need from events in order to feel like they are worthy of being paid for? What do you think? I don't know. Like, you know me. I've been struggling with this for a while. I've been, we've been doing this podcast since 2019. Sham and I, Jamaican, I, we wasn't making a lot of money. I wasn't making a lot of money. And we were just struck to get the cost covered, more or less, like we talked about. Even the merch shop doesn't do very well. But again, that's just, maybe I don't advertise it well enough. Maybe I'm bad at advertising. I don't know. Even though I mention it every single episode, buy something from the merch shop. <laughs> I, I have been having a lot of thoughts about whether or not it is sustainable for me to continue to do the podcast this way. 
And it's tied into what you were talking about, right? Like the covering costs. Like I'm not an expert in the field the way you are, even though I have been living in, in this space for a period of time. I'm still shady and private in a lot of different ways, but I have been doing this work publicly <laughs> for a couple of years. And I have noticed, let's put, you know, let's just backtrack a little bit. Also, I'd even... like to say publicly, y'all know I'm a professional hood rat. I want to say this because I never say anything behind people's back. I bad talk people to their face. That is, that's part of my professional brand. So if anyone would like to challenge my assertion that I'm an expert publicly, come on, bring it. Let's have the talk publicly. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what qualifies someone as an expert. And let's, let's review my qualifications. Listen. If you have a problem with that, let's discuss. Is that rude? It's not rude. And y'all don't do that. Do not listen to her. Do not challenge her because it's not going to go your way. Just want to say. I just want to let you know. I've only been, um, I've only been married to one person that I've been in a relationship for 15 years. And uh, I've only been in a partnership, a, a BDSM partnership for seven years. That's all. And uh, my child is being raised with four parents. And I've spoken at a couple conferences. I may or may not have founded the first Black polyamorous conference ever in the history of anything. But who's counting? And y'all know, what's funny? I don't talk my shit very often. I don't talk my shit. Other people do. But this is a very specific area where if you want to know whether I'm an expert, Google Black polyamory. And tell me how long you have to scroll until you see my face. And so, really, my question is, if you're not paying to hear me talk, who are you paying to hear speak? I have the answer to that. I have the answer to that. Funny enough. Funny enough. I already have an answer for that, which is why I said, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. I want to hear it. Let's talk about it. Virtual events are very popular in the pandemic, right? People weren't really doing virtual or even a hybrid style event much prior to the pandemic. That is COVID-19, very specifically. And so you would find like even bands were getting on at musical acts. They were doing like in these virtual shows that you couldn't record or even save for $15, $20 concerts, so to speak, mm-hmm. that people could watch from all over the world at different times of day. So we were doing that. People still pay for that. That's fine. Sex Down South came up, did a virtual event, went great. They did a, I think they're doing hybrid events from now on as well. That seems to be doing really well for them. So there is, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this, right? And I know that virtual events do take time and money to produce. And people don't seem to think so. Like we talked about, like the platform costs money. If you have more than a certain amount of people joining on the platform, that costs more money. If you don't have a good camera or like recording equipment and you have to check in, if you have, for example, like if you have guests, like what... We did for Sex Down South where you have like different panels and things like that. Those guests have to have the right equipment. And if you are super professional about this, you may actually send them equipment for them to use and then send back to you for the event. So again, costs just on the technology side of things. Right. So there's all of that. But if we're talking about who's paying for what, I have to be honest. In the non-monogamous space, even and I can niche down a bit more to polyamory, but I'll just say in the non-monogamous space, the people who are making the most money are either one, white, <laughs> or two, sex-based, or a combination of the two. Or white adjacent. Or white adjacent. And so 
I, marketing plays a part in this, right? Like when you think about ketchup, most people think about Heinz ketchup and that's because of marketing. Same thing. Like you think about like chocolate milk, you're thinking of like Nesquik or like things like that. A lot of it is branding and marketing. If you have somebody who is very good at the branding marketing side of things, they do tend to go a bit far. And the pandemic has allowed for some people to become more popular than others based on their marketing strategy and their branding and and let's be honest, too. It's not just about marketing. Mm-hmm. It's also about two things. It's about sex and level of depth, right? Because some yeah. people think that you can accurately depict and discuss complex polyamorous concepts in a 30-second TikTok. And that's not true. And <laughs> that's not true. You can't. Like, let's, let's keep it 100. Could my pretty ass get on TikTok? And go viral talking about black polyamory? Absolutely. Is that a responsible way to discuss things? Right? Is that short form, funny video with the propensity to go viral? Is that a responsible way to disseminate information about black polyamory? Is that what y'all want? Do y'all want like funny TikToks? Or do we want people who are actually living this life telling you what they've learned as a result of decades of experience. And that's the thing. If you look at the numbers, people want funny TikToks. They don't give a fuck about any of the other stuff. People want funny TikToks. And it's not to say that you can't broach a conversation using a TikTok. You just can't fully discuss the concept. And that that's, a again, that's a thing very specifically. And I think what's happening for me is I'm realizing that people don't want to broach the topics. Yeah, they don't want to dive deeper. Have, and, 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 and audience, again, I say, do you want to have the difficult conversations? Do you want to know how we actually make this work? Or do you want me to make jokes about how my Google Calendar looks? Or do you want me to go in depth with the process for how we split up time and how we care for our child and how we maneuver around multiple adult schedules and having multiple partners? Like, I think maybe I've been naive in thinking that people really want to talk about the hard shit. Well, I mean, you know, I've been naive too. I have a whole fucking podcast. So clearly I'm also in the dumb, dumb groove. Like I... For me, the podcast has never been about numbers. And I say numbers in the sense where this podcast is very specifically for non-white people and even more specifically for black people. And if we're talking like even more niche, I have I'm not even American. I'm Jamaican, born and raised. I haven't even lived in the U.S. for half my fucking life. yet. And so all of the topics in which my frame of reference, despite having lived in the U.S. for many years, is still very much. Jamaican. I am still culturally Jamaican despite <laughs> living in America. And Even so it's been like years and you still haven't taken me home. Y'all can't even see my face right now. The face I'm given. You've seen this face. Anyway, so all of this, right, means that my experience, my conversations, my perspective is still very Jamaican. And I can broaden it in a sense to some, to distill some African-American concepts. But even sometimes I got to message Shanae and be like, what is me? What do they mean when they say that? Like, that no, don't make no sense to me. She's like, what are they talking about? And I'm like, oh yeah, that happens in Black America. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, girl, people don't have no home training. Remember that conversation? Yes. And I was like, why? It, it, but again, because culturally, 
I do not fit here. And I understand that. So this podcast, while it is accessible to everyone, it is most accessible to Black people and even more accessible to Black Caribbean people, English-speaking Caribbean people. Well, I have said my stance on many a platform, but I will reiterate. I am here for Black polyamorous. That is why I'm here. I am here for the motherfucking culture. If other people benefit from what I have to say, and they should, and they can, and they should donate, and they should pay Mm -hmm. me, great. But I am here to represent for the fact that Black people are out here living, loving, polyamorously, doing it well and with minimal drama. Like, that is why I am here. That is why I exist. That is why I founded Black Poly Pride. That is why I founded the Polycultural Diversity Alliance. That is why I do this work. And as long as I exist in this space, I will continue to exist as a Black polyamorous educator. Now, could I make a whole shit ton of money if I shifted my focus? Yes, yes. We know that. The answer is yes. Am I willing to do that? No. No. I don't care. I don't care to do that. But it is also extremely like disheartening to realize that the culture and community for whom I do this work also won't support me with their coins. Y'all, you hear these things? We have this conversation all the time. Like I said, um, for me, it's not about the downloads or the plays or any of that stuff. I listen. I get 10 listens on the episode within the first like couple of hours. I'm like, oh my God, 10 of you listened to it already. That's so sweet of you. Mm-hmm. The numbers are not usually 10, but like I get excited when I see people actually engaging with the work in this way. And I love every single person who listens to this podcast, not the racists. I don't love them because, you know, racists, they be we listening. Got, we to got people. racists. They want some smoke. Sometimes, sometimes. Because, you be, know, I be, I be having an extra smoke. So like just send them my way. Let me respond to those emails forward. All right. Calm down, Gunica. That's not what we're doing today. Okay. Y'all know why Atlanta come out. But, you know, sometimes you get one listener in Burkina Faso. Like one listener, like in certain countries where I don't think this podcast could ever reach. And I'll be like, oh, my God. And so for me, making this podcast, again, Shanae says heart work. I don't like that term heart work. It makes me think of feelings. And we all know how I feel about feelings. But I love making this podcast. I love having these conversations and looking at things from these perspectives of Black people. And I do have some other people of color on sometimes talk about concepts that are very particular to them that I don't understand. I had Shams on the last episode as a South Asian Muslim person talking about polyamory and his experience in that. I think that's a very valuable conversation to have because obviously more than one fucking religion exists in the world. And culturally, it's a whole different conversation. And so I want to have those conversations as well. But I don't be getting the support. Yes, I get listens and I get plays and I get the weird moments where I'm trying to talk to people on dating apps. And they're like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. I tell everyone about it. And you can tell they have a preconceived notion of you. And I know Jen has stands and groupies. And I just want to be like her when I grow up. <laughs> it's weird as shit. OK, I go no, into a like, Facebook group. Wanna- and people sharing people to, my content. I want people to fawn over me the way they fawn over Jen. That's my goal. <laughs> the 
don't listen to her. People fawn over her all the time. I'd be like, they'd be like, oh my God, Shanae? Yeah, like we're friends. She has a key to my house. Like we go together. Don't, so- don't lie to these people, please. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's very interesting the reaction that I get from some people like I invite to be on the podcast. They're like, oh my God, I love your show. I'm nervous to be on the show. Why? I'm just a normal person. If you like people act like I'm like on TV or some shit, like they see me. And- right, but here's the question. If you got fans and groupies, why is the bank account not reflecting such? I don't know. That's what I want to know. I know that obviously there is for people from these quote unquote third world countries, there are financial restraints for them. But the bulk of my listeners are in the US and Canada, like more than 60%, right? Like about solid 70 something percent last I checked are in the US and Canada with the other 30 scattered all around the world. Some parts of Europe, Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, South America, et cetera. But I do not get financial support from the people who listen to this podcast. And the Patreon is small. It's very small. It's very small. And it makes me. How many patrons we talking, Jen? I only want. It's an embarrassing number. I can't even. It's less than 10. I'm going to tell you that. Less than 10. Okay. And I have several different tiers of Patreons. Like, you know, $3 just to support. Like, if, if I got 10 people just doing the $3 a month, do you know that that pays for this software? that we're recording on right now jen is much too nice but i am issuing a challenge for every single person who is listening to this to go join her patreon for three dollars a month minimum because if you i guarantee i promise you you got three dollars a month and if you don't go join her patreon when you hear this challenge you are reminding us that you do not value the work that she does but you clearly do because you're listening so make it make sense who don't got three dollars a double cheeseburger at McDonald's mm-hmm. is like $3 with tax. And it's not even that. It's like, for me, it's okay. Say you don't have $3 a month, like every single month. And some people, I don't know your finance. I don't know your bank account. But even like a one-off donation, like you just send me $10 on Zelle or like on <laughs> Cash App or on whatever. No, no, no. Because I've been seeing y'all stories. I've been seeing y'all stories. Y'all are in, y'all are in foreign countries. You at restaurants. You buying cocktails that cost $14 a pop. You got $3. Most of the people listening to this shit right now, I'm not shaming you if you don't, but most of y'all do. And it's not about, like, for the vast majority of monogamous pod listeners, it's not about whether you have it. It's about whether you're willing to spend it, whether you find this valuable. And the reality is, I've always said that support is a verb. So supporting this podcast is more than listening to it. It's, are you financially supporting? Are you sharing? Are you interacting? Those are the things that pay for this podcast, even though Jen doesn't want to get all feelsy. This is always going to be a work of heart. If I went and talked to monogamous people about relationships, I could get easily get paid $3,000 in speaking engagement on the low end. But my focus is on Black ethically non-monogamous people. And what I need for our community to do is step the fuck up. And put your money where your mouth is. 
I'm not going to say it like that. I'm just going to say it would be nice to have some financial support so I can not break the bank every month trying to pay for all this shit. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. It would be nice if after we spend three or four hours of our day recording this podcast, you could also afford to order yourself lunch. It would be nice to be feel like, you know what? Maybe I want to have this nice steak salad from Circa. If you live in D.C., you know what Circa is. <laughs> they have a nice steak salad. Maybe I want that. But, ooh. Oh, oh so you, it's, it's some place that got good salad with steak in it, but you ain't took me there? It's a- uh-uh. Nope, you ain't took me there. You see what I have to put up with? I understand. You don't really care about me. It's fine. I'm Um, just going to, I'm going to find new friends in DC. You're about to lose custody of me. Yeah. Other people vying for custody. And they're going to have to fight me on it. And they know that. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about? You're... See, all of this behavior, just so you all know, is just for the camera. This is all acting. This is all acting. Because when Shanae is in her brat mood, let me not be looking at my phone in that 0.2 seconds where she wants me in that moment. Okay? That's not allowed. I will call, FaceTime, Duo, show up at your door, open it with my key. All that shit. So all of this behavior about, oh, there's this place other people want custody, this is all a lie. Okay, this is all a facade. I just want you all to know this. Yeah, I see. Next time I'm in DC and I'm gallivanting about town, going to what's the name of the restaurant? Circa. Yeah. Next time I'm going places that Jim won't take me with other people. She's gonna be all on Instagram acting a fool. It's fine. It's cool. And yes, I will. And then what? Everybody knows. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows I am unreasonable when it comes to my friends. They know this is not a secret. Yeah, you're like, like, oh, I'm gonna make you call me, and I'm on the phone with somebody else. Who are you on the phone with? Why they Why they on the phone at my time? And you're like, you just called me for no reason. That's besides the point. They should have felt that I was about to call you, and they should have hung up. What's interesting? What I find is that people who are like hella polyamorous romantically are like super monogamous platonically. Like, yes, I, don't be trying I, to have other friends. What you doing? I share you with your partners, not with other people. What I got to do with me, other people. Listen, and y'all know, maybe y'all don't know, my non-sexual life partner, my good friend, bestie, wifey, it's been 20 years in this bitch. She just got married the other day and I'm like, my whole wife is a wife. But guess what we did yesterday? We picked out our commitment rings to each other. That's what we did. (laughs) So... She's whole on married to somebody else. And we be looking at each other. Oh my God, I think this ring will be super cute for us. Should we get our names engraved in them? Yes, let's do that. Her husband knows what's up. It's not weird at all. Exactly. Her husband knows what's up. He knows where he falls in the hierarchy, okay? (laughs) Not touching that with a 10 foot pole. He knows about me. So basically, to bring us back to the conversation we want to have, listeners, we really want to know from you. What kind of content are you looking for? What kind of events are worth paying for? Is this, is monogamous pod something you value? Are virtual events something you value? Are you content to just, because from my perspective, my intent throughout this pandemic has been to maintain community such that when we are able to gather in a large scale again, there is a community to attend that event. 
And community building and community maintenance is not free. And so I really am interested in hearing what it is that you're wanting from us as non-monogamous content creators. And also, is there something that you're desirous of that we're not providing? Or is it just that you place this type of information entertainment as something that should only be available for free? We really want to know like where your opinion lies, where your heart lies, because there's no point in creating content that nobody wants to consume, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And I've talked to Shanae about this and I'll talk to you all. I've thought about putting the entire podcast behind a paywall, but that one listener in a country I don't expect them to be listening in is the reason why I don't do it. So y'all don't even know how much you're hanging on the strength of, oh my God, this one person in Albania listened to my podcast this month. That's so sweet. And I think about, okay, if I lock this podcast behind a paywall, like, yeah, sure. Downloads are going to drop, blah, 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 blah. But this is now going to be inaccessible to someone this really holds value to in a place where they may not have anything else like this. And I don't want to pretend as if I'm the only podcast talking about polyamory and non-monogamy because I'm not, but I am one of the only black podcasts doing this. (laughs) And wow. I just, I felt ball in the pit of my stomach when I said that, because I never usually say that out loud, but I am (laughs) one of the only ones doing this. And doing it in this way. This podcast is not about sex. It's sex positive, but it's not about sex. It's not about swinging. It's not about quote unquote salacious content, especially with what I've been trying to do for the past, actually probably since the beginning, let's be honest, is even though there are fun episodes where we talk about like reality TV and romance novels and things like that, the whole point of this podcast is to talk about the real lived experiences of polyamorous people who do not get highlighted enough and that is usually the black people (laughs) and like I said there are some other people of color I bring them in we talk about stuff but this is for black people I want anyone from any black person from any walk of life to be able to listen to this podcast if they speak English because I only speak English and I'm sorry but I want them to listen to this podcast and be like oh wow I didn't know there was someone else who maybe not exactly like me, but has the same experiences as me. And this is how they've managed to get through those things. This is how they've navigated those things. I want people to get value from this, which is why I'm very specific about the conversations I have, the questions that I ask. You can ask Shanae and anyone who's been on the show, when I send them that email, I'm very clear. I'm like, this is what we're talking about. This is the topic at hand. If there's something you don't want to talk about, let me know. I will never mention it. If I bring it up in the conversation and we didn't discuss it previously and you don't want to talk about it, just say, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to cut it out. There's a lot of things that I am like very specific about and careful with. I don't manipulate the voices. I don't make up like phrases and sentences. I'm very touchy with the editing, with the questions that I asked, just some of the initial meeting and having that conversation, having them on the podcast. And that's work. And that takes time. And that takes money. And that takes energy. And wow, I've just realized how fucking unappreciated I really fucking feel (laughs) for the shit that I do. And I hate that. I hate that I feel like I have to feel appreciated for this when I really want to be doing this. But do you know how long it takes to fucking record and edit and put out a podcast episode? How many hours do you devote to each episode? 
So sometimes I can record from one to three hours of conversation with a person, depending on what we're talking about. If I try to keep the episodes to just over an hour in editing, so I might have to split an episode into two, which means I have to listen through it multiple times to pick the natural point to do that. <laughs> Fun facts, right? The actual editing portion, we'll say for about I'm doing an hour and 20 minute long episode will take me about six hours minimum in the editing process. Let's remember recording, editing. I have to make sure I do the episode artwork. I have to make sure I have the music timed correctly. Everything is in there correctly. Sometimes people that I record with say things that are not fit for air. (laughs) And so I have to go back over certain things or they remember something after the fact they wanted to add or take out or whatever. And I try to give not flexibility, but allowances for any small changes, like fact checking, things like that. And then my intro outro, you would think, oh, it's just the same. It's fine. It's stable. Do you not realize every single one is fucking customized to the episode? Every single one's customized to the episode. So then I have to go back and make sure I'm not fucking that up. Does my voice sound good? Is the sound ratio right in my fucking neighborhood? Is my neighbor deciding today's the goddamn day? They're going to be drilling and planting fucking tile in their backyard, which happened a couple months ago, by the way. It was very fucking stressful. It takes me minimum eight hours of work to get an episode out to you. A full day of work. A whole full day that I could, if I was working, and remember, I used to do this weekly. I used to do this weekly. And yes, I had Sham to help for part of it. But for a lot of it, I was on my own with some stuff. And so I would do this weekly. This doesn't include social media promotion and engagement. This doesn't include any of that other stuff that goes into putting an episode out. Even, this doesn't even include picking selects for like bonus clips or any of those other things. This is just the actual recording, editing process. What if it takes fucking forever to export? What if it gets corrupted in the export and I have to go back and do something all over again? <laughs> what? It, this is not accounting for any of that. This is just the in a perfect world. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. And sometimes guests don't send over bios and I have to make that shit up based on what we've talked about. That takes more time. That means I have to listen to everything they've talked about on the episode more than once to be able to piece together a bio that makes sense. Because some people don't got bios that make sense. And I'm sorry, I'm not ashamed to say that. (laughs) Right. There is so much extra work that goes into that part of it. And some people are just like, oh, you don't have transcripts. It's not very accessible. It also takes fucking time to do the goddamn transcripts. Okay. That's why I'm fucking behind because it takes time. Because for some reason, they don't understand my fucking accent. And so I'll see jumbles of words and I'm like, what? This doesn't even make no sense. These don't even go together. (laughs) And I have to go back and re listen to all of these episodes and fix these transcripts one bit at a time. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a shit ton of work, guys. And It's work that we choose to do, but we also choose to do it because we feel it is of value to our community. And so this is us doing a temp check to see if the work that we are doing is still of value to you. If there's something else that we can do that would be of more value to you and what ways you are willing to support this work financially. Was that about sum it up, Jen? Yeah, pretty much. Because it's not just about me. Like I said, it's about all black polyamorous people putting out content that's worth being consumed. And I'm very specific when I say worth being consumed because for me, if we're just talking about black polyamorous content, 
I have no issues with things being focused primarily on sex because sex is a part of all relationships, whether you're having it or not having it, whether you're asexual or allosexual. That means that sex is a part of your dynamic. However, if you talk about wanting to have deep conversations about polyamory, wanting to learn things, wanting to do whatever, and someone's giving you the thing and you're like, okay, thanks. And they're like, okay, hey, would you mind sending me like a $5 donation so I can help keep making the thing? And you're like, ah, actually, no but you're still consuming the free shit all the fucking time. What do you think that says to someone doing this work? And cause here's the thing. I know, I know there are some people here who are just like, Oh yeah, I've been signed up for your Patreon, blah, 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 blah. And they never fucking do it. But I know you spend it over 50 fucking dollars a month on OnlyFans Cause you want to jerk your dick watching bitches fuck and to each their own. You do your own shit, but then you don't get to message me in my DMS and be like, Oh, I wish you would talk about this topic. Fuck you, pay me. Like, you already fucking yourself, so might as well. But, like, whatever. Maybe yeah. we should switch to OnlyFans and record the podcast topics. I've thought about that. Listen, I have thought about so many things. Like, I've thought about making this podcast, like, completely subscription-based, where you have to spend the $5 a month to even listen to a fucking episode. And I've thought about hiding the videos behind a paywall. I've thought about complete divesting from Patreon as a whole and just, like, locking everything behind a whole separate thing on a website. Like I have thought about so many things in so many ways and ultimately I can never ever feel like I can do that because I want to keep it accessible in some way, but I can't keep doing this. It's not sustainable because I have podcasting is like another full-time job. It's not sustainable to do this podcast and do the job that I actually do and all the other things I actually have to do in my life and continue to make this a priority. So really, we say all of this to say that we want to, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think is important. We want to know what you're, what you want to consume. And we ultimately want to know what you're willing to pay for. And we really want you to tell us the truth. If the truth is that there is no polyamorous content that you're willing to pay for, and you're only willing to consume this kind of information if it's free, we want to know that, like genuinely. Because we each have to decide for ourselves whether we're willing to volunteer and in in a a lot of cases even pay to provide this service to our community. Yeah. What else we got? I mean, that really sums it up for me, Jen. That sums it up for me, too, on, on all of that. So, of course, thank you to Shanae for joining me as per usual. I like to pretend as if I drag her here kicking and screaming. But if I just say, hey, are you free to record an episode? She's, oh, yeah. What are we looking at? What are we going to talk about? And plans get made very quickly. That's what happens when you're friends with people. They love you and they show up for you. Hint, hint. (laughs) To all of the other people who don't show up for you when you have COVID and you feel like you might die. Just saying. Just saying. See, I told her she was pretty. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Anyway, of course, I will put the links to where you can find Shanae in the detailed show notes on the site monogamishpod.com, which, surprise, that's where all the episodes and everything are. I'm at 90-something episodes. I'm almost at 100. Did you know that? No. Are we going to throw like 100 parties? I might, but the 100th episode is coming real fast. I don't know if I have time to plan a party. <laughs> I might be good at throwing events. So let's Yeah. Talk. So we're going to talk about that. Maybe there'll be a special event for the 100th episode of Monogamish Pod. Of course, you can watch this video and all the videos more or less from season three on the YouTube channel. Just search 
Nagamish Pod on YouTube. It's pretty easy to find. Just I don't have that customized, what do you call it? The URL yet because I don't have enough subscribers. I'm not famous enough on YouTube. But if y'all want to make me YouTube famous so I can get that, you can go ahead and do that. Just subscribe. So of course, you fans on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Nagamish Pod. I keep the brand very simple. I'm even on the clock app on the Tiki Talk. I rarely ever post over there, but I'll be on there. I'll be watching y'all's videos. Thank you for sending me stuff. It's very cute. Nagamish Pod. Um, you can subscribe to the Patreon. We talked about the Patreon earlier. Patreon.com slash monogamish pod. It is an 18 plus patron because sometimes I talk about nasty shit. I'd be doing it. And sometimes um, you see boobies. Oh, sorry. And sometimes you can see boobies. Was I not supposed to say that? I didn't really want to give it away, but now people know. We'll pay for boobies. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So there's that part of it. Patreon.com slash monogamish pod. You can subscribe for as low as $3 a month. I do have merchandise, shirts, mugs. All the nice fancy stuff at monogamishpod.threadless.com. I now put out a monthly newsletter to give you like a little recap. What's happening on Monogamish Pod this month? And also what's happening outside in the real world. If there are any events that I want to go to or that you could go to, that all happens. Monogamishpod.substat.com. Where else can you find the podcast? Of course, wherever you listen to pods. We host this podcast using Anchor.fm, which is owned by Spotify, which means Spotify is my choice you to listen to the podcast on also because that's where i get to post community questions including polls that you all can answer and which is where the questions for this episode so exactly check out the spotify but of course apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, it's all good to me whatever works best for you i support you and, and it dreams. also helps if you when we share the episode on social media if you share it as well that's also helpful to us and interact with our questions that we'll be dispensing on social media on Wednesday when this podcast comes out. Correct, correct. Like I said, rate, review. Oh, yeah, I love reviews. I like to read them. Again, not the racist ones, the nice ones, or even the ones that say, I like this, but I like constructive criticism. It works It works well for me. And sometimes if you send me a review, like privately, and I will ask your permission if I can post it publicly, I won't put your name on it, but I'd be like, oh my God, this person loves the podcast and they want everyone to know it. <laughs> do that i think that's everything am i forgetting something i feel like i'm no, always I forgetting something we are anxious and looking forward to hearing y'all's feedback yes of course so you can drop it in the comments on the social media pages you can hit it up on the website you can even send me an email directly monogamishpod at gmail.com and i will read it and shanae and i will take this feedback and we'll be out here in the world doing things i promise i'm not going to put the podcast behind a paywall right now I was just in my feelings at the moment. I, I am a woman. I'm emotional. That's what they tell me. Women are so emotional. We make decisions with our feelings. People so who knows what could happen? Men are so gossipy too. But you know what? Gossip folks is a whole different episode about the messy men in polyamory. Anyway, once again, I'm Jen. She's Janae. Thank you for joining us on the episode of the podcast. And I will catch you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.